Heavenly Father, as we come now to consider your word together, would you give us eyes to see and ears to hear? In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Go ahead and have a seat. My friends, I'll, will be, I'll be honest. Uh, as I was preparing for this homily today, I found it to be rather difficult. Today, of course, being Ash Wednesday is a day that we set aside for very intentional reflection on our mortality, our fragility. And today we take our first steps into the self-reflective journey of Lent. Now, often we approach this journey as a kind of marathon, a contest where we take on some great spiritual feat, some spiritual discipline or task in which we try to beat our bodies into submission and identify with Christ and his sufferings in some way. And often, most years, I would stand here and I would encourage you in this. I would encourage you in these acts of self-denial as means of leading to a greater awareness of our profoundly needful state. Yet preparing this homily was difficult because this Lent is different than most of the other Lents that we have experienced. This year, I suspect we are much too weary for a marathon and for great spiritual feats. And far from needing to engineer a recognition of our mortality and of our need and of our loss, we come today already stripped bare by a year of losses and needs. And perhaps as we step into Lent this year, we may find ourselves skeptical about how to do so rightly. And we might even find ourselves cynical about the whole season. And indeed, today, we ask ourselves the question that we need to ask every year, but especially this year, what is the intention of Lent for us this year, weary and hungry and needful as we already are? Well, my friends, I believe that in our epistle reading today, as you heard Michael read, our Lord in his perfect wisdom frames out for us how we are to approach Lent every year, but this year in particular. And he does so, speaking through his mouthpiece, Paul, by setting out two very important moments in our text. Moments that we need to relentlessly hold together as inseparable. The first, an imperative, and the second, a reminder. So the first moment in our text, which tells us what Lent is all about, is in verse 20 of chapter 5 in 2 Corinthians. There Paul says to us, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Be reconciled to God. And as we go a little bit farther in our reading, we find Paul warning us even more directly, don't receive the grace of God in vain. Don't receive God's grace only then continue to live as though we have not received it. Now, this exhortation is perhaps the aspect of Lent with which we are most likely familiar with already. It is a theme which, after all, is quite stereotypically Lenten because the exhortation to be reconciled to God carries with it the correlative relative conviction that we need to be reconciled to God. 
we are reminded herein that even as those who have received God's grace, we are still prone to become trapped in cycles of selfishness and of self-indulgence and callousness towards others. The exhortation to be reconciled to God indeed reminds us that we are prone to build our lives around things that are not God, to pursue things as God that are not, and to attach our things which to attach ourselves to things which distract us from God. The call to be reconciled to God is thus an invitation to plunge into the depths of our souls in self-examination, to search out those places that we have held on to as our own, and where sin and the habits of our old life still hold sway. It beckons us to repent of that which we have allowed to drown out God's voice and to keep us from being fully reconciled with him. Now again, this year, as I mentioned already, we, I think, have a pretty good head start in this regard. I don't know about you, but one of the most distressing things about this last year is not so much the disruption of life itself or the losses themselves, but about how illuminating those losses have been in revealing to me how many things I attach myself to that I hope will give me things that only God can give me how much I actually fear death, although thinking that I don't. How often I look for things to give me rest and peace that are other than God, to give me stability in things that are in fact themselves temporary and corruptible. This kind of honest self-awareness is very much at the heart of the season of Lent. As we walk together gently over these next several weeks, bringing our losses to God, we will confront more and more of these moments, and we will be brought to greater recognition of these areas and places where we need to be reconciled to God. And indeed, we are meant to seek out them and to allow the Spirit thereby to draw us into repentance. That is definitely at the heart of Lent. Yet sometimes I think that we approach Lent as though this is where it stops. We sometimes treat Lent as though its content is the act of giving something up, of emptying ourselves, of relentlessly dwelling upon how we don't measure up and just sitting in our poverty. Like that's what we're supposed to do. And this is dangerous for us because simply staring into our frailty and our fragility and our sinfulness and our need for healing and rescue as a kind of self-contained event as an end in itself, especially when we are already so conscious of that fact, can lead us into grief and numbness and despondency that is just as distracting and harmful as attachment to anything else is. And it is for this reason that we must relentlessly hear the call to be reconciled to God as being inseparably linked with what immediately follows. And this brings us to our second textual moment that explains for us what Lent is all about. Yes, Paul calls us to be reconciled to God, to search out intentionally, actively, the dark recesses of our hearts and to take real stock, real account of our mortality 
our emptiness, our sinfulness, our brokenness. Because it is precisely in that place that as he goes on to say in verse 21, we encounter him who for our sake was made to be sin, who knew no sin. In that place of deepest need within our souls, of the most painful and shameful sin, of greatest vulnerability in our lives, it is there that the Lord intends to meet us and does meet us and heal us. It is there that we find the risen Lord Jesus Christ who became human in order to reach us in our most fragile state and gently and dramatically lead us up and make us to be the righteousness of God, participants in his own inexhaustible life. It is in the recognition of our emptiness that our Lord meets us to fill us with his own incomprehensible fullness. So often we frame Lent only in the negative. We make it only about loss, only about what we're giving up, only what it costs us. We go around asking each other, what are you giving up for Lent? My friends, the theme of Lent is not sin or deprivation or emptiness or loss. The theme of Lent is the mercy and the love that God already has for us. And the task at hand is not to atone for ourselves or to earn God's love and favor by sacrifice, but to more deeply understand and appropriate the love that Christ already has for us and the knowledge that we already are new creations, which Paul says before the exhortation to be reconciled with God. The task at hand is to prepare for ourselves to be more fully and more deeply to, to more fully and deeply know and experience the life which our Lord has already stored up for us so that it can become our present possession. That is what Lent is leading us into. My friends, as we take our first steps into this season, we are entering into a marvelous paradox. We are beckoned to be reconciled with God because it is when we do so that we recognize, as Paul tells us, that Christ has already reconciled us to God. We are beckoned to remember our mortality because it is when we do so that our hearts become open to God's infinity. We are beckoned to to take stock of and to repent of our sin in the deepest corners of our hearts because it is precisely and only in doing so that we come face to face with the gospel and with him who is the gospel. We are beckoned to come to God in our full rawness and brokenness and weariness and need because it is when we do so that our Lord meets us and fills us with the fullness of his divine self. We are beckoned to a time of preparation so that when we come to the cross, we don't see it just as one more loss of life, but rather as life itself gained for us. 
Brothers and sisters, we are invited today to a holy Lent. But it is not an invitation to emptiness or to greater loss or to suffering, nor is it an invitation to ignore and spiritualize and explain away the loss and the need and the suffering that we have felt. But rather, it is an invitation to more deeply receive our Lord's fullness and his grace and his mercy. And I think that this year, perhaps of all years, we are set up and ready to have perhaps the most authentic, real Lent we have ever had. Because we come to God stripped bare of our pretensions, barren, our hearts rent. We come too weary for great feats. But we come with open and hungry hearts, ready to throw ourselves, our losses and our needs at the feet of our Savior, who promises as our good and faithful shepherd to meet us and to be with us and to lead us safely to life. As we today enter into Lent and its solemn reflections that it does bring, let us do so expecting our Lord to meet us powerfully along the way. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.